Our message today is entitled, How Should True Citizens of Heaven and of Canada Live? This is part two. I shared some truth with you last week, and now we move into part two. Please turn in your Bibles to Philippians, Philippians chapter one. As you are turning in your Bibles here in the sanctuary, I want to just briefly address our radio listeners for a moment. Radio listeners, this is Pastor Nick of Rosewood Church of the Nazarene in Scarborough. Radio listeners, I'm sure that you would appreciate knowing the following news. The volunteer producer for our weekly radio broadcast at Rosewood Church here is Ernie Hall. For the past two years, Ernie's dear wife, Jacqueline, has battled cancer. On Thursday, July 6th, Jacqueline's battle with cancer was over. Ernie's dear wife went to be with the Lord in heaven. Jacqueline has been a woman of faith, a woman of prayer, a woman of love, a woman of God. Jacqueline's family and we here at the Rosewood congregation will deeply miss Jacqueline, but we take great encouragement and comfort in knowing that one day we will be able to celebrate in heaven with Jackie and with all who have gone on before us. Amen? Thank you, radio listeners, and thank you, Rosewood Church congregation here in front of me for the love and support and the prayers that you are expressing for Jacqueline's husband, Ernie, for their children, and the rest of the family. Thank you so very much. And so we come now to today's message, How Should True Citizens of Heaven and of Canada Live? Part two. In the first part last week, I shared with you these beautiful truths in which we said that true citizens, true citizens of heaven and of Canada, promote harmony and unity. Amen? And true citizens love one another. Now we come to today's message, and the first truth I want to share with you is this. True citizens of heaven and of Canada work together with one mind and purpose. Verse 2, verse 2 says, then, why don't you read it in unison with me from the big screen. Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Amen? One mind and purpose. How wonderful that is. As Christians, what are we supposed to work together for? What are we supposed to work together for with one mind and purpose? If you look back to Philippians chapter 1 in the Bible, in the latter part of verse 27, we find our answer where the Apostle Paul says this. He says, I will know that you are, you are standing together with one spirit and one purpose, fighting together, fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. Fighting together for the faith, which is the good news. So what are we supposed 
to work together for with one mind and purpose? And the answer is, for our faith. We are work together. We are to work together for our faith. The good news that Jesus died to pay the price for our sins out of love. He paid the price for your sins and mine so that now we can be forgiven and we can receive the promise of heaven and know that when our time on earth comes to an end, our eternal home is heaven. Amen? But what does it, what does it mean to fight together for the faith? Well, it can mean the following. For those of you who are maybe taking notes, A, it can mean overcoming obstacles. Overcoming obstacles to begin to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Is there any obstacle that you need to overcome? Overcome it. Don't let anything stop you from truly putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. Fighting together for the faith can also mean be. Being willing, being willing to sacrifice for the faith. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter to the Philippians, was actually in a Roman prison when he wrote it. He wrote it trying to spread the faith in Jesus. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 13, Paul says this. He says, for, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And so the question is, are you and I willing, are we willing to sacrifice time, talents, money for our faith, for our faith in Jesus Christ? To fight together for the faith can also mean see. Being partners, being partners in spreading the good news about Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, You have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. And I want to say thank you to those of you who are our partners, partners in spreading the good news through being exemplary Christians through your personal witnessing, through your dedication to this church and through your volunteer ministries, through giving your tithes and offerings and mortgage fund donations and world mission fund gifts, through your obedience to the Great Commission recorded in Matthew 28, 19, which says, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Through your desire to see people's lives changed by Jesus for the better. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. And so the question is this. Are you a partner in spreading the good news about Christ? If you are, great. Keep spreading the good news of Christ, that Christ loves each one of us, that Jesus died on the cross to pay the price for our sins. On the third day, he rose victorious over the grave. And if as yet you are not a partner, however, if as yet you're not a partner, today 
I invite you to become a partner in spreading the good news of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Let's go on to a second truth today, and it is this. True citizens of heaven and of Canada are unselfish, unselfish. This, of course, comes, this truth comes from the first part of verse 3, which says, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. I, I, I don't know if you've ever looked up the word selfish or unselfish, but the dictionary definition of unselfish is this. Here's one, one of the definitions um, on the screen. Read it with me. The quality of not putting yourself first, but being willing to give your time or money or effort for others. That's pretty straightforward, isn't it? It's pretty straightforward. And let me say, for those of you making notes, A, unselfishness is inspired by the example of Jesus Christ. Unselfishness is inspired by our Lord. In Philippians chapter, chapter 2, we see the unselfishness of Jesus here. Chapter 2, beginning at verse 5, it says, You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. And then if you were to look at 1 John chapter 3, verse 16, it says, We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. And Mark 10, Mark 10, verse 45 declares, For even the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. My friends, I want to invite you to allow, to allow the unselfish unselfish spirit, the unselfish nature, the unselfish example of Jesus to inspire you and me more and more towards unselfishness. Here's point B. Unselfishness is expressed in Christian service. Galatians 5 verse 13 says, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. This morning, some of you used your private vehicle to pick up somebody or several people for church. That's a little example of serving others. Thank you. This morning and every Sunday, at least two of our volunteer men get up extra early so they can drive our church vans to pick up people for Sunday school and church service. Thank you, men. Unselfishness is expressed 
in Christian service. Every weekend, every weekend after it is printed, one of our church families spends several hours assembling the church bulletin, which when you get it on Sunday, you think, you think it just miraculously was all put together. Right? Every Sunday, one of our church families arrives at 8 a.m. to open up the church, turn the lights on, straighten out the sanctuary chairs, make sure all the, all the seats have friendship and worship cards and offering envelopes, as well as doing whatever else needs to be done before, before anyone arrives for Sunday school and church service. Every week, a couple, a couple of our ladies prepare a nice light breakfast for those of you who come before Sunday school, except some of you think it's a main breakfast. <laughs> This week, this week, we have four guests. We have four guests from Scripture Union who will lead our children's sports outreach camp. And one of our church families is providing accommodation for them all week long. As we said earlier, yesterday was our church picnic. And thank you to our chefs and organizers of games who planned a wonderful picnic, a, a beautiful get-together. And regularly, regularly we have Sunday school teachers and nursery volunteers and musicians and greeters and ushers and offering counters and caravan club leaders and preteen leaders and small group leaders, youth leaders, people in prayer, choir members, men's committee and ladies committee and various boards all expressing their unselfishness in Christian service. This past Tuesday, a, a group of our men came to the church and using sc scaffolding. How many of you would get blessed to, to go way up to the ceiling there? How many of you would get blessed? Probably not too many of us. But anyway, using scaffolding, they, they went up into the ceiling and changed all the bulbs. About every five to six months, we have to change bulbs that burn out. Unfortunately, Dr. Lisa Autar just doesn't have that gift of changing those bulbs. <laughs> you know? She's got lots of gifts, but not that one. <laughs> On Thursday of this week, I, along with a couple of other pastors, were in the Scarborough General Hospital when a code blue was called on account of Jacqueline's condition and need. And I, I sent an urgent email out to those of you who are on our email list asking for urgent prayer for Jacqueline and the family, for Ernie and and their loved ones, and soon thereafter, some of you, some of you arrived at the hospital wanting just encourage, encourage and pray for the family and just be a support. Thank you, thank you to the, the many of you who express your unselfishness in Christian service in, in some of these few ways that I've mentioned and in many other ways. Let me also say point C here, being unselfish includes Sharing, sharing with those in need. In Hebrews 13, verse 16, it says, and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need. These are the sacrifices that please God. Proverbs 21, verse 13, those who shut their ears to the cries of the poor will be ignored in their own time of need. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will lack nothing. 1 John 3.16, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. 
Let us show the truth by our actions. Amen? Amen? Is there someone? Is there someone or is there a family that you know is in need? Are you able to financially help them? If so, do so. Or bring in, bring in some non-perishable food to stock up our church food cupboard. Or make a donation. You can make a donation to our agape fund. The word agape is the Greek word for love. Make a donation to our agape fund, a fund out of which we help people in need. People from our church and from the community are regularly phoning our church or dropping by by our location asking for food, asking for help, needing assistance to pay utilities, pay the rent. At the moment, at the moment, our agape fund is empty. Are you someone that can maybe help build it up? You can just mark your gift, agape fund. Being unselfish, being unselfish includes sharing with those in need. Amen? Let me take you to a third beautiful truth, and it is this. True citizens of heaven and of Canada see the precious value in each person. This came to my mind from the second half of uh, verse 3, which says, Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Now stop and think. What does that really mean? I, I would say that probably most of us would have some difficulty really wrapping our head around that fully. Really f fully understanding the, the implications. I believe essentially what it means is this. See the precious value in each person. Pastor Lisa, would you agree with that? Amen? Red, yellow, black or white, young or old. <laughs> someone, someone this past week said to me, you know, uh, as they were getting close to 60 or turning 60, whatever the situation was, they said, you know, you know, when I was a teenager, I thought when someone was 40, they were old. <laughs> when I got to 40, I thought someone who was 60, they were old. Now that I'm getting to 60 or so, uh, it doesn't look so old at all. <laughs> but, you know, uh, red, yellow, black, or white, young or old, skinny or beautifully plump, <laughs> Rich or poor, many educational degrees after his or her name, or no degrees, see the precious value in each person. Amen? As you greet one another after church here today, radio listeners, as you cross paths with all kinds of people this week, see the value in each person whether you understand their language or not, whether you understand the kind of clothes they wear and why they wear the kind of clothes they wear or not, 
See the wonderful, precious value in each person. Amen? And here's a fourth truth. True citizens of heaven and of Canada, look out for other people's interests as well as your own. This, this comes from verse 4, which plainly says, read it with me, don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Now sometimes living out this truth can mean doing a lot of very simple things. For, for, for instance, suppose you are waiting in a grocery store at the cashier with uh, 40 or 50 items in your buggy. Suppose someone comes up behind you and they've, they've only got one or two items to pay for. Well, make their day. Make their day and say, hey, please, you go ahead of me. You only have one or two items. I got a whole, a whole bucket full. Why don't you just go ahead of me? And, uh, and you know what will happen? I mean, it's not a big deal, but you know what's going to happen? When that person goes ahead of you and pays, they're going to go home. They're going to go home. They're going to say to their husband or wife, they're going to say, you won't believe what happened at the store today. This lady or this man, uh, you know, because I only had one or two items. They, they let me go, the cashier ahead of them. Oh, didn't know that would ever happen in Toronto. But it happened, a miracle. <laughs> Obviously, it's not a miracle. It's not a big deal. But little things can sometimes make a big difference. Amen? Amen? Uh, if you're on a crowded bus, if you're on a crowded bus or a crowded subway, give up your seat. Give up your seat for an elderly person or give up your seat for a young mother who's trying to hold on to two or three of her struggling, rambunctious little children. Right? I know some of you are saying, oh, Pastor Nick, I've tried that, and that elderly woman just wouldn't take the seat, and that mother wouldn't take the seat. It's okay, do it again anyway. Sometimes, sometimes while on a bus or subway or, um, or sometimes in a doctor's waiting area or in a, in a bank, you know, people, people get on the phone. People get on the phone, and they, they talk. I mean, they talk on, on the phone as if they're just on their own in some park somewhere, you know? Like, they don't think about the fact that they got this lineup of 10, 12 people that are, that are bothered by their talking, or they're, there's 30 or 40 in the doctor's waiting room that are bothered by their talking away and, and so on. And uh, what's it all boiled down to? It boils down to, you know, look out for other people's interests as well as your own. All right, don't just be thinking about, about yourself. Uh, a few years ago, uh, my wife and I were on a nice vacation on a, on a cruise in the evening. In the evening on the ship, they had this uh, beautiful musical production. And those of you who have been on cruises know that a lot of these ships in the evenings have some marvelous presentations. So anyway, there was this beautiful musical presentation and the auditorium was about full, I guess, uh, maybe 800 to 1,000 people on the ship. And so the production had started up, and it was just fantastic. It was also very um, intricate in terms of what all they were doing. But uh, 10 or 15 minutes into the presentation, these two or three people walked in. They, they walked in right in front of everybody, right in front of everybody, with all the action going on the platform, 
And they, they walked in, and they're, they're, just, they're just talking away. They're just talking away and saying, well, well, should we, should we go? Should we go up that aisle, or should we go up this, this aisle, or, 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 or is there a seat here in the front, you know? And, 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 and I thought, man, folks, you know, look out for other people's interests as well as your own. I was afraid somebody was just going to go and tackle them and just tell them they're going to lay on the floor right in the front there because they were just frustrating people so very much. It boils down to look out for other people's interests as well as your own. I remember how about, uh, I, th- I think maybe it was about three years ago, I began to experience some major transmission problems with, with my vehicle and uh, most of the time, the transmission was working fine, but about once, once every two weeks, initially that's how it start, started, but once every two weeks for a few minutes, the transmission just wasn't shifting properly, and whether I was on a regular road or on the highway, I, I, it just, just wasn't working, working right. And, and I, knew, I knew that there was a big problem developing. I took it to the mechanic's shop and they tested it, but because the problem only randomly came up, like about once every two, maybe three weeks, uh, they said, well, Pastor Nick, we, you know, we just can't find anything wrong with it. I said, I understand, I understand. But I, I remember, I remember uh, someone who was sincerely well-meaning, very, very well-meaning. Um, I, I don't even remember who it was, but I remember someone uh, in a well-meaning way, said to me, oh, Pastor Nick, you, you just sell it. Get rid of it. Get rid of it. Your car's getting old. You should get a new one anyway. <laughs> That's my wife. She's still, she's still trying to get me to sell, sell the car. Well, honey, I just want you, uh, she doesn't know this. I just want you to know this week I picked up one of these magazines. What do they call it? Car and truck or something. It was a freebie. I picked it up, and I looked through there, and I saw, I saw this beautiful Buick, a 2011 Buick, 2011 Buick with only, with only I think it was 11,900 kilometers on it, 11,900, and I thought, wow, that's like almost new, and the price was about a third, third of the price of a new one with only 11,900, and I thought, maybe this is the way I should go. So, Cindy, I just want you to know, I phoned that dealership, I phoned that dealership, and they said, they said, oh, sir, um, it, it wasn't 11,900. It, as a misprint, it was 111,900. And besides that, they said it was sold two days ago. So that was not the one for me. Anyway. But anyway, going back to the transmission uh, issue, uh, someone said to me, uh, I know the transmission is developed, well, they, you know, they said, uh, you know, why don't you just get, sell it and get a new one? And I said, no, no, I can't sell it. Why? Because I know the transmission is developing a major problem. It wouldn't be right for me to sell the vehicle knowing the transmission has a big problem. I was simply looking out for other people's interests as well as my own, right? It wouldn't have even been right for me to give it to somebody because I knew. Well, eventually, eventually, as some of you might know, 
eventually it got worse and worse and worse and, and uh, needed $2,400 to fix the transmission. And I've lived happily ever after since then with it. Well, almost happily, not, not quite, but my wife hasn't lived happily ever after since, <laughs> since getting it fixed. But my friends, all, all, all I'm saying is, true citizens of heaven and of this country of ours, look out for other people's interests as well as your own. Let's do that, shall we? It's the Christian way to live. And as I think of all these truths, I thank God for the true citizen of heaven and of Canada that Jacqueline Hall has been. Those of us who have known her well, we praise God for her Christian example and for the citizen of heaven that she has ultimately now become. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the marvelous truths that we discover from your holy word. And Lord, we just pray, we just pray that you would help each of us to be the citizens of heaven you want us to be. Lord, in your Bible here you have said, above all, you must live as citizens of heaven, conducting yourselves in a manner worthy of the good news about Christ. Empower us and help us to live in such a way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.